0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. It loves a circle with no end.
1: I was
0: talking to my this last night and he said, happiness is egg-shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and love's a circle with no end.
1: Hello and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg-Shaped. And today I'm speaking to a man I've admired for a long, long time. With a bit of jealousy, let's let's make no mistake about it. Um, and he's now in a place that I call my second home. So there's even more jealousy building. He's done it all in the Sevens game. He's coached at the highest level. He's played and he's won. He's now in Hong Kong, helping Hong Kong with their next step in their journey. And he's a good friend of Robbie McRobbie, who has been a previous guest on the podcast, and he comes very highly recommended. I'm really excited to get into this one because we are very close in age, although he looks a good 10 years younger than me. He's obviously had an easier paper round than I've had. He's been involved in the top of the game. He's travelled. He's created many, many memories that people will remember and will talk about for a long time, especially in Hong Kong, where he has been a winner. I'm delighted to welcome the one and the only Mr. Simon Amor. Hello, sir.
0: Thank you. That one introduction. <laughs> wow.
1: wow. Uh, when I talk of jealousy, we were talking off off screen there about how you ruined my Hong Kong sevens experience. Being a Scotsman in Hong Kong, and the first three years I was there, England won it. England won it. England won it.
0: Yeah, they were um they were they were special times. And and you know, coming back to the city now, you just to actually really appreciate. I mean, because. When I first came to Hong Kong, you know, with the tournaments, you did this with the Sevens as a player and as a coach all around the world. You see the training pitch, you see the stadium, you see the hotel room. And in, and in Hong Kong, you see Wan Chai as well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what you don't realize here in Hong Kong, which I've had the, the chance to experience recently, is just the stunning beauty of the outside, the outdoors, the islands, the beaches. Went up to see the big Buddha the other day. It's just such a beautiful place. So I'm really, really lucky to be out here.
1: Yeah, so the jealousy just kicks in even more. (laughs) You're killing me here. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a place very dear to my heart. And obviously, you've now had the opportunity to go back to work so you've been there as a player you've been there as a coach and now you're back there working for the Hong Kong Rugby Union we were talking a little bit earlier just about that opportunity so how how did that come about what was the thinking behind it and obviously you've accepted it how does it feel to be there
0: yeah I mean so I finished up with England and uh, I was just exploring kind of where I wanted to go to to next and I was always curious having been in Having been with the RFU for oh, you know, about seven or eight years um, as, a, as a coach and seven or eight years as a player and having worked in the UK sporting system, I'd kind of known and been very fortunate to be with, within the UK, which is, I guess, respected around the world as one of the top uh, nations in terms of sport and certainly RFU, the, the richest nation in, in the world. So I was always curious to explore another country, an emerging country, um both in terms of sports and and rugby so then when robbie gave us a shout and said look we've had a few challenges recently you know <laughs> COVID's hit us pretty bad Um we're changing our program but a change in our in our coaching uh, situation so what do you think son do you want to jump on board and help us out so so yeah it was it was it, it was it was almost written in the stars i guess and the idea initially initially was me to jump out um spend a few months out here and help the team uh, with their Asia rugby championship, which is, was due to be in November with the goal being for us to win that one. And then on the back of that, they would then give us an opportunity uh, next year to do a qualifying, a World Cup qualifier game against, I think either Tonga or Samar, which happens to now be Tonga. Uh, and then hopefully if we win that, you go to the World Cup. If you don't, you go to the Reper Charge, which is in November and, and give that a shot, which the guys did, um, did uh did did, did pretty close. I did it well last time, quite mm. close. Now that was the initial plan. Then of course COVID really kicked in properly. So um unfortunately the Asia Rubber Championship, the RC has been put back to to next year. Um uh, and we've had a few more challenges with the quarantine situation out in Hong Kong. So yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey.
1: An interesting but you're never ready for that there's there's nothing to prepare you for that other than the experiences you've had and then how you respond to it now the hong kong rugby community is a village uh you very quickly get to know people and you ask favors and and they help you out. how have you found that coming from the rfu which is in comparison a gargantuan situation how does it feel in hong kong
0: yeah it's it's, it's probably actually one of these is what makes it so unique and so special. So whenever, or certainly for myself, whenever I go and, and work with a team, you, you kind of look at, well, what's this identity? What sets us apart? And certainly in Hong Kong, with the Hong Kong rugby and the national team, you've got real diversity. We've got, you know, I think about seven or eight different nationalities within the, within the men's team this is. But what you've also got is you've got six premiership clubs that are all within around about half an hour of each other. So everyone is so close. Now, the opportunity in terms of a national team means you can still do national training uh, during the week, every single week, even though they're going to play against uh, each other at the weekend as clubs. But that real community, close village feel makes it very, very tight. Everyone knows each other. It creates a real sense of community, which, of course, has its strengths and its weaknesses because everyone's... You know, strong opinions, which is what you like. Yeah, you, know, you love that in the game. Um, uh, but, yeah, and people are pretty uh, pretty forthright uh, over here in telling you those opinions as well. So.
1: It's amazing that such a small place, and, I, I, you know, the population of Hong Kong is still big, but the rugby population is small. It's amazing that you can be talking about a country like that, and I know Samoa and Tonga are small, but they have a rugby history. They are... Naturally built for the game, for Hong Kong to be competing at that level says a lot about the community and the environment that the game is placed in.
0: Yeah, I think for any team to be successful at the top, strength it's it needs a strong community game at the bottom, and um, and that is that you can see at the moment, and I'm just experiencing this. I guess you can you can see this growth uh, in the Hong Kong game shifting away from quite a strong expat or very strong expat um, population in this game to more the local Hong Kong Chinese. And that's really important to grow this game. And the the, the strap line for Hong Kong is a game for all. Uh, and you can certainly see that. And they grow this out. And you know, the interesting challenge, I guess, and the opportunity is just the lack of space you've got out here in Hong Kong for pitches. And it's amazing. You know, I'll, I'll go down to Happy Valley and you'll see, you know, there'll be hundreds and hundreds of people out on all the different pitches hockey tennis rugby football and and for the rugby teams you know you've got you know three or four teams on one pitch I mean it's chaos but it is brilliant it is absolutely brilliant and it creates that real sense of community as a club as well because you have you will have on the pitch you will have the first team with the second team with the women's team with maybe the social team as well which really does help to create this whole "we're all in it together" um, sense. Um, so no, it's a very unique environment, and I think it's it's a brilliant one for anyone that wants to come out here and uh, and experience something very unique and very special, and also to get better at, which is what I'll hopefully expand upon a bit more. So
1: yeah, hear hear, echo all of that. The. The local Hong Kong Chinese have got some heroes now. They, you know mm. Rambo Leung, who you've who you've probably met, was was the first Hong Kong native to play in the Hong Kong national team, and is is still an absolute superstar and growing the game. And there's heaps of guys who have come through the system, but now with the Sibbons, there are mm. guys who have really put themselves, you know, literally onto the poster. Who who have you arrived and and seen in action and thought, wow, this this kid or, or this guy or, or this girl has has really got it
0: well i've only been out <laughs> so, a quick story on this one I, I i i was due to start up quite a while ago to come out to hong kong but i initially was going to fly and then i had to um uh, back in the uk beginning of august then i had to fly out to spain because they changed the quarantine rules so i had to go out there for three weeks um, as it was, to then go to Hong Kong for a, for a week's quarantine. And then almost the day I kind of got on a plane after those three weeks in Spain, that the rules changed. So actually I didn't need to go to Spain. I could have flown straight from the UK, but the quarantine changed to three weeks. So it actually took me around about six and a half weeks from the the UK <laughs> to, to, get, to get to Hong Kong to get out on the plane. So I've only been out now for about, um, for about three weeks. Um, and I haven't actually seen, because of the Sevens, uh, the Sevens group in particular with Johnsy, uh, they literally, they jumped on a plane pretty much as I was in quarantine to go out and, and go over to Canada. And they were excellent. I yeah, they did really up. well. You could just see the growth, the focus they've made, and that young group coming through, people like uh, Max Denmark and Liam Herbert, and and obviously being so strongly Captain Max Woodward and Kado, they, they, they're such a really good group of people there that have done really, really well. Um, but we've managed to have so far with the national team, probably about two or three sessions, like in the mornings and, and evenings. Uh, and there's some good young, uh, there's some good young Hong Kong Chinese coming through. So like a Sam Soy who's at Kowloon, tough physical flanker. Tough go on the go on the <laughs> And they are, I'll tell you what, they're playing well at the moment. Joe Barker, the the, uh, the CCO, has done a really really good job. They play with real real heart. Uh, they play an expansive game. Um, but it's a real great connection you can see within their group at the moment. Um, but Sam's probably the player that's um that's really impressed um uh, in terms of um being a, a genuine Hong Kong native, I guess.
1: And they must, and you'll probably play your your own role down here. But they must be really excited that somebody like Simon Amor has come to help them with this next bit of development.
0: Oh, I've no idea on that one. I mean, uh, like, come oh, on, oh, man, come on. I, I, you know, like it's um, all you try and do is you, you and the, the, the key is with the these I like, like being candid. You know, they've been through a tough period. You know, Hong Kong rugby's been through a tough year. So for those that don't know, because of the Hong Kong sevens being canceled, I guess, you know, there was changes to the program. They went from a full time program, rightfully so, down to a to, to a part time program. So it's been in a tough, tough place. But you've got an unbelievable sense of commitment for people that want to go on a journey. They want to go on a journey for themselves to try and get be the best they can be and try and qualify for the World Cup. They want to go on a journey for Hong Kong rugby. They want to give something back because they love the city. You know, it's just amazing the affection, the affinity that people have out here for the city and for Hong Kong. And you can see they want to give, they want to contribute to the game or to contribute to the country. They want to do something that inspires people. Um, And alongside that, there's, you know, there's a lot of people getting some very some brilliant opportunities work-wise. So they get this amazing balance between having this potential to be, you know, potential to be an Olympian for sevens, a World Cup for 15s, and then go and work from the major major finance uh, business organisations and have a major major career. I mean, what an opportunity! I mean, it's a dream, isn't it? <laughs> you kind of, you know, by the age of thirty or something, you know, you could be. Could be outstanding, so you know, uh, it's, so yeah, it's, no it's brilliant
1: hearing you distill it like that. It's brilliant hearing you put into that. Now, I read something that said, um, you were talking about players being amateur in that, that this wasn't necessarily their job, but they can still be professional and they can still perform. You hear a lot of discussions about that type of issue if I had more time, if I was able but there are a whole load of student athletes who are able to balance, you know, look at Laura Muir. She's become a vet and she's the top of her game in athletics. Rugby, has it become a bit too comfortable, do you think?
0: Oh, that's a great question. It's a deep question. I mean, look, I've, when I... Oh, this is my heart back to my glory days. You know, when I... <laughs> that's what you're on for. That's why you're here. <laughs> when, I, when when I When we won Hong Kong the first time, um, I was still a I was still a student at Cambridge University, um, uh, and and I tried throughout my professional career. I always I always studied, so I then did an MBA, distance learning MBA. And the simple reason for me, always as a professional athlete, was I needed the game to remain. Uh, hobby's the wrong word, but I needed it not to be my full time job because I needed to get away from it. I needed to know that. One of it, it didn't I didn't have a bad day or a bad session. I've got something else to go on to, and I needed to get my brain going, you know. Um, so I definitely think there's something around that for everyone going, it makes people better, better players. And I think there's loads of work going on. I think professional players are generally getting a better feel for that now. They understand they've got to do something else, whatever whatever that could whatever that um uh, that, that could be. The 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 brilliance I think out in Hong Kong again comes that closeness, but you know in this squad now we'd have people that are traders that are working crazy kind of hours uh, to students to teachers to s and c coaches there's such a variety of a mix and i guess that's what the opportunity hong kong gives you because it is so close and you can be you know 20 minutes from basically being work you can be on a pitch at um you know hong kong football club you know it's it, it's it's brilliant and it's absolutely crazy and it's bizarre, but it's the opportunities to, of diversity of those careers that I think gives such uniqueness. That I am.
1: A lot of rugby can make Jack a dull boy, can't it? So, having those <laughs> other strings to your bow, and I get what you mean that there's people who I feel have rugby as their job and it really is their job. And there are those who have it as their passion, and you can see the way you talk, we, it's easy to see it's still your passion.
0: Well, yeah, you've got to love what you do. And there's all the evidence out there. And, and you know, you, the more podcasts you pick up and listen to right now, the more the more the, the, the best people in the world and most people are. So you've got to be passionate about what you do. I mean, ultimately, you've got to get up in the morning and go, you know, do I do I want to go and do what I'm going to go and do? You know, some people say, do you want to go to work and stuff like that? Well, it depends how you determine or define work, you know, but do you wake up in the morning going, come on, let's get on with this day. This is going to be a good one. And, um, and that I think there's there's guys here that you, you can definitely see that. And there's it takes an energy that's for sure here in Hong Kong, as you know. You know, you know, I'm lucky to be right in the in the mix right now, and it is every single like day. You wake up and there's flipping lights going everywhere, and there's carnage and there's craziness, and it's bit, it's full on all the time. So I'm sure you need to get away from it. Um, but now you need a, the challenge. Will always be though. With these players, is how do they balance recovery? And you could end up burning the candle at all kinds of different ends. Particularly here in Hong Kong, you know, if you've got to be a bit of client entertaining to do, which again is all part. It's all part of it. It's all part of the kind of experience that goes with it. So a bit of discipline, I think, is uh, is quite important, probably.
1: Yeah, When I lived in Hong Kong, I knew a guy who worked for one of the big financial institutions and he told me he did most of his big deals in the week of the sevens at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning over some kind of drink in Lag Khoi Fog or wad Chai. Yeah, but it,
0: but it is it is still, you know, it is it is what makes rugby so unique. It's the rugby values, the rugby community, the rugby people that, that brings all that together. And you can see it. You know, I'm very fortunate to travel the world and seen that. Um, and certainly here, because of the diversity in cultures, what brings them together, whether they're from Canada, USA, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the UK, whatever it is, France, it's, it's the rugby values that brings these people together, which is what the game is is built uh, built upon and which must be um, maintained.
1: I think you're right, though. It, it is more concentrated in Hong Kong. And I i don't know, I think you might agree with this. I feel that Hong Kong is still running on values that maybe were, and this could be rose-tinted spectacles, but the mm. 70s, 80s of you're there to train hard, work hard, do the best you can, but there are other things going on. It's not, well, the re- the result is important, and you know we want to get to a World Cup and Olympics and all those mm. things it's being involved in it. That's the important bit.
0: Uh, I, uh, that's a good well, uh, Good I, I I don't know enough around all the, the clubs and the, uh, to really, but I did have some, uh, so to be totally informed on this and have a really good opinion upon it, but I did have a catch up with some of the chairman, um, uh, of Night Sky, I think it was. Um, and <laughs> Hot has got them already. <laughs> it, it all it into one. It all, it all does and stuff. Um, yeah, today's been a long one because we had the, bo- so the boys today. were up, um, so I'm di- I'm digressing, but I, I got on this on the boys today. We started. We do a morning session where the guys will come together at the um, the South China Athletic Association on the pitch, and they'll we'll go, we'll train from six until seven, effectively in the morning. So they'll have to get up at like five fifteen or something, or five thirty to get there, and be ready to start at six o'clock. So this this is this can be quite a long day for them. So it kind of all merged into one. Anyway, so my 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 bit with the chairman was um uh there's a definite passion around the youth and the age grade rugby and 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 that piece and the importance of commit, committing and playing. At the at the top end, there is a definite passion around winning. There is yeah. a definite like you know it is about the rivalry, and they want to win the grand champ uh, grand final, and they want to, they want to be successful. Um, so I do still see that as a strong piece as I have done as I see anywhere else in the world.
1: And the the bit that I hope you get into, and I'm sure you'll get invites from uh, the pot bellied pigs and all sorts. The the tour in Asia is still relentless weekend yeah. here you know tournament there uh reciprocal tours there a, a navy ship comes in right we're playing them there's there's all sorts of things going on hong kong being so small and everybody gets a shot in it so i'm going to make sure the boys get your boots back on again for one of those old boys games because i bet you're still fit as a
0: fiddle uh well I wouldn't go that far and to be fair actually our um uh our, S- our strength and conditioning coach I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying this he actually rolled out for a Hong Kong Scottish uh, second team uh last weekend And it looks like he's um he's 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 done his bicep so oh. he's, so that's come off the bone I think or something like that so he's gonna go for the op- next so I think I'll give that oh good, good, good but it is I mean and just going on the Asia thing it is because obviously you've got Hong Kong and it's only, you know, you can be in Singapore in an hour and a bit or something and, and everything is pretty close out here in terms of Asia. I think there's also a the opportunity to grow the game in Asia is mm. definitely appealing, And it's definitely something I feel um, lucky to be a part of and to be able to contribute to, um, to grow this this great game of ours and try and take it out to a, to a, pretty, gro- a pretty growth area right now.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think you'll be awesome at that. So t- tell me, I I guess you're one of those guys who was good at most things, especially for sport. So as you're growing up, you, there must have been some choices to make. But what what was the draw to rugby?
0: Um, I I played a lot of sport, and I and I'm. This is something I I massively encourage my own kids to do. Don't push them down the rugby route. They've got to find their passion. And there's loads of evidence out there right now, as well as also to be a successful rugby player top end, the diversity of sports at a young age. It's a late development sport. I think there's lots of evidence out there around that one. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, I I played loads and loads of sports. And for whatever reason, I got into a group of a team. Um, I was initially at uh, London Irish as a very young guy, like under eights, under nines or something like that. Because um, I lived in Sunbury, which is the old London Irish ground, was a brilliant old ground, and I, and I went through that for about ten or ten or twelve years, and got in with a the successful team, but a team I loved being with, you know. So I guess that was the hook. It was a little bit about the quality and possibly being okay at it, but it was also about the group of people that you're with, which I think is still there. You know, I think is still when I see my kids, my kids choose um, the sport they do. First and foremost, um, around the people they they're with, it is about that. And again, it goes back to the importance of the values of the game, and how clubs are, community clubs are operated, because that's what you want you want to bring people in and make them stick.
1: And. He- you you were you would have been a small kid, I'm guessing.
0: <laughs> uh, just ju-
1: just guessing, but there, there was a role for you to fulfill. I didn't know
0: that. I didn't know that though. As, a, as a, like, but, but honestly, like people have said this before and stuff like that. But I didn't really. I don't. I don't. I don't. I didn't really realize I was ever small until probably I got to about sort of adult age and, and adults about eighteen sort of thing. And kind of went and some people started telling me properly. So, um no, I just like I was. I was quite competitive. I was very competitive, you know. And uh, I, I love tackling. I love getting stuck in. I love sevens. I love sevens growing up. And I love it. I loved it because um, it was the. I think you got to have a, oh, a bit of a sadomasochistic kind of instinct it's like You got to love pain. And I loved pushing myself. I really loved and. Um, I love that feeling of absolutely ending yourself and, and there's nothing left in the tank whatsoever, and then really feeling you've earned that that drink afterwards. So I love that.
1: And and then doing it again. There's a quote, I think it comes from somewhere in America trying to describe mm-hmm. what Sevens is, and it it's being in a car crash at seventy miles an hour and then getting up and sprinting hundred meters and then doing it again, or or <laughs> there's something about that. So about, you yeah. you you loved you loved that game in London Irish, so mm-hmm. there's a bit that that I love to hear, you loved where you were, it probably wasn't the shiny beautiful facility that lots of people think, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go that, that you think we need but that's that. there's a desire for that isn't there, now people oh, yeah. choose a team on, they wear the same training kit on a Monday and then a different one on a Tuesday and then they they go to this facility and it. you yeah. were just playing with a group of people you enjoyed spending time with
0: yeah, and one hundred percent. It was. It's always about the people, um, and just on that um, that shiny kind of um, facility. Of course, it's it. course, it's important. You need to provide the right level of standard, and and, and at the very, very top end. Now, you, you definitely do. But I also remember when I was playing for Wasps, and we we trained out of Twyford Avenue, and that was. I mean, that was not not the sharpest of places. Um, the quality of people. I mean, from Lawrence DeLaglio, to Raphael Ibenez, to Rafael, Ibanez to Jay Worsley, Josh Lucy. Don't Sit Brown, I mean, it was just like like brilliant, world class people. That's what makes it. Um, and the the surroundings can um, uh, it, they're secondary always to the to the people. The facilities are always secondary to the people.
1: And you then you played London Irish was home. I suppose, because it was the place you'd spent so much time. And then other opportunities started to come up. What, what was it like being in that position at that stage of the game? Was it easy? Were you being advised? Did you have to seek someone? Did someone come and tap you on the shoulder? How did it
0: work? So, well, my story was I... Um, uh, I left school. I never. There was no option to be a professional player when I was at school because the game wasn't professional. It turned professional as I was leaving school, and so back then, um, like brilliant. Yeah, I had Dick Best, who was the the director of rugby for London Irish and stuff, who was a, a hell of a character. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and they didn't really know what they were doing in terms of professional rugby at the time. They gave him fresh overnight and everyone oh, good God. And you, you, you had something along the lines of, you know, people training way too much than they should have been. So come the weekend, they're exhausted, basically. And the part-time teams who had done hardly anything were all nice and fresh. So, <laughs> but basically what it was I, was, I was at university at the same time. So I did this sort of full-time academy, like a first-thing academy in London Irish. Um, and I also did full-time at St Mary's University. Um, and after around about, uh, 18 months, about a year or so, I think it was, I actually got cut from, from, from London Irish. I was rejected. So I went through the whole failure sort of piece, which actually I'm sure was brilliant for me again, in terms of resilience and all the evidence around that. And I then went, uh, to university, uh, sorry, went, finished St Mary's, then went to Cambridge University and just by chance at the time, the RFU were having a bit of a fallout with the clubs, who'd have thought, never would have happened. (laughs) um and what that meant was that they couldn't pick any contracted professional players to play for their sevens so no clubs would release any of their players to play for their sevens team um for the England sevens team so joe lyden was head coach at the time he's been appointed and he called me up basically because i was one of the very few people effectively that wasn't contracted <laughs> so he was like, okay well there you go and my first tournament i played six minutes I Played six minutes in that first tournament But at least I thought, I've gotten in here at least, and I trained my arse off to try and do it. I was still at university. And the next tournament, I went up to about eight minutes. I got picked again because the same thing happened. No one can get released. But the third tournament, I think Joe actually thought, actually, this guy, this guy's actually, he's not too bad, actually, sort of thing. Um, So I actually got picked, I think, my third tournament or fourth tournament on merit. Uh, and then my fifth tournament under Joe was the um, uh, was the Hong Kong Sevens. And on that one, it was, um, I'm pretty certain. He made me captain. It was the first time I was captain. Well, it was him and Mike, basically, because Mike had, uh, was being an assistant coach. Guy today, sorry. Yeah. And I'm pretty certain. You looked at the team and you went, well, I can't. Which one do I? If I pick Josh Lucy, then I'm going to really annoy Phil Greening. Or I'm going to annoy like, Jamie Noon. Or I'm going to annoy Henry Paul, Or it's James Simpson Daniel I'm going to annoy. What so, so, uh, some going to get really, really angry about this one. So I'll tell you, what, I'll pick the student. <laughs> <laughs> you'll say nothing. You'll do nothing. And they made us captain for the first um uh, for that, and that was the first time he won it. So um, so that was my story. Then on the back of that, I actually um. Uh, got a contract done um, with Gloucester and did that for a couple of years, uh, for four years. and loved that time. And then, and then jumped across to Wasp to try and see if I can make 15s work for a couple of years and it didn't quite work out. So, and I tell this story a little to people, to younger people to go like, there are, there are, there are four things I think you need to be six to make it as a top player. One, you've got, to, you've got to have a little bit of talent. I mean, that's, that that is important. You do need something. Um, you've got to have a, uh, a good work ethic you've got to put in the hours that's really really key you've got to be resilient because there's going to be the setbacks but you also you need to have a bit of luck you need a bit of being right time right place um and that was certainly what 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 i had so um yeah that that was my story
1: so being a being a student there are lots of trappings of being a student that probably don't suit being a professional athlete or someone who wants to play at an elite level. But you then, you got to play in the varsity game. Mm. Now, I I, I love that. I would love to go and watch that. I think it just looks Mm. like an amazing thing. What is it like? Is, Is it this? everything just builds to this one game? Yeah. Uh, that's it
0: that's the cup it's, final that's it it's it doesn't it it's it's the it's the one game where you'll do all these matches beforehand and we played it back in december um uh, and we had about it was about 60 000 at twickenham it was an amazing it was an amazing experience and it was a te- it was a terrible winter the weather was awful um so it didn't suit me my my game whatsoever at all in in, in year one um, but you can, you'd can you have about 10, 15 games beforehand playing various second-team Premiership clubs, or you'd have the um, Steel-Bodgers match. And, and it doesn't matter. And no, none of it matters. You could lose every single one by 100 points. There's only one game that matters, and that's the that's the varsity match. But there's what makes it so special is there are so many traditions around it. There's the history. There's so much around just being at Oxford or Cambridge. Um in terms of those rituals that are so unique that make it so special. It's it's a brilliant experience. If I I can't remember quite a lot of them. <laughs> but I'm I can remember some. I'm pretty certain the other ones are probably pretty good as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just I just love it. And when you see players go, you know, Jamie Roberts went back to yeah. having done a whole load of things, yeah. why would he bother? But if he had the opportunity, why not have oh, a crack at I, it?
0: And I honestly, I re- if 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 professional players now, if there was a way for them to go on their professional career on their journey, and then finish it off with going to Oxford or Cambridge, and because uh, it, it's not just about getting the qualification, it's about the whole life experience that comes with it and the connections you make. Um, uh, I actually went to the Varsity Match literally um, uh, about three or four months ago because um, it was our 20, 20 year anniversary from our one and we've got our, our next one coming up actually um like well, we did two years effectively so um the next one coming up in about three or four months the connections you make the job opportunities it creates for you i mean it is a brilliant life experience um and career experience so that's if people get the opportunity professional players play a professional game um go to us uh, cambridge afterwards fantastic
1: yeah, it just it just looks amazing and then you say i, I tried 15s
0: mm.
1: how how easy was it then to jump between the two
0: um well it was definitely a lot easier back then because you didn't have the out and out fitness demands that you need the guys to do now um so i was able i mean i made a lot of sacrifices when i was as a player at 15s to to be to be able to do sevens so i'd have to do a load of extra top ups and uh um, but actually the running demands I think now are, are pretty, pretty, pretty unique. I mean, it's a different, it's a different level completely. So a lot more difficult now. Um, the challenge I always had, of course, was a halfback, you know, half halfback. I was playing nine, or playing a bit of 10. There's a lot around like managing the game, feeling the momentum. Um, that's c- quite unique to 15s. So you don't really get that in sevens. So it was difficult probably to do both of those ones.
1: And then... In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You get to go to Hong Kong and you come back or you go mm-hmm. away to a Simmons tournament, you come back into a 15s environment. where there are players who would have loved to have had those opportunities when you oh, go back yeah. to training? Were there boys saying... What was it like? how did I get to go?
0: Oh, were, yeah, were they tapping yeah. you up? Of course, they were it was jealousy galore type of thing. <laughs> I remember in 2003, I, I, I remember in 2003, um, we I literally we played, we we won Hong Kong, um, we won Hong Kong on like a Sunday, as it was something like this. We won Hong Kong on Sunday and had a relatively strong night out. <laughs> got on a plane very next day the year, next morning. next uh, next uh, next morning and um and I was back at Gloucester and we played in the Powergen Cup final that Saturday back at Twickenham and we won that so in the space of around about seven or eight days or something like that you'd won Hong Kong you had an unbelievable night out and then you'd won the Powergen Cup and had like an even better night out basically with some pretty robust Gloucester people yeah, it was it was fantastic fantastic times
1: and you were you able to enjoy those things did you were you able (laughs) to enjoy well you know there are people who look back and go i wish i enjoyed it more i was always looking at the next thing or i was and that always makes me a bit sad and i I heard rio ferdinand talk and it really made me sad because he was saying he was at a i can't remember champions league or a, a premier league celebration party but he was into the ceo right who are we bringing in what's happening next i'm not celebrating this because i need mm-hmm. the next thing i'll celebrate it when i'm done and that makes me a bit sad that you're not able yeah. to enjoy it when it's there because there will be some pretty bloody tough times too
0: oh no no 100 no 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 100 percent. and you do actually you see it probably even more and more now i don't know if it was possibly just the way that rugby was back in the days that you know and the characters as well I mean you had some serious characters in those England sevens and those, <laughs> those cluster days you know they, those boys knew how to enjoy themselves there's there's no chance they weren't <laughs> so you may have got carried along with that but um I I mean for me I was uh I would I would be I was incredibly I'm I'm still a, a very driven and committed person but I basically I sacrificed quite make a few sacrifices in the month or two months leading into a major tournament, and then that was almost the reward. I guess it was that whole, you know, uh, pleasure pain type of thing. I was putting myself through such challenging fitness and demands that actually that reward, and then I made sure I enjoyed every single moment of that one, and then reset it again to then go for the next uh for the next uh, month or so. So that was the kind of way I operated. So I yeah, I, I think I enjoyed it pretty well.
1: <laughs> when, when you became a coach was yeah. and and I I love speaking to Simmons coaches who were on the circuit mm. because it's so different from being a 15s, especially oh, yeah. a head a head coach. Yeah. You were able to spend so much time with players in yeah. airports and hotels and you know on the bus from here to there and back again and so you would you will know those players inside mm-hmm. out and they'll they'll have seen a fair window into into your life as well. Were you able to communicate a lot of those things to put you know you need to enjoy this? Uh you know, picking up on little triggers to try and help them out of something and back into something else.
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um Yeah, oh you you got me stumped on this one. Um but there is with the sevens one thing you you definitely have and it's one of the brilliances why you get such such wonderful memories that come from it such close connections is you, you, know, you spend more time with them than you do with your family effectively because and it's certainly more time together than you do even with a professional 15 side club I would I would argue because yeah you know, there is so much time in hotel rooms in flights in airports it's not just the morning training and then um, and going going home the day and it's such a close sort of group so you really do get to know each other uh, very very closely on that one and that was interesting actually one of the biggest challenges I find when I actually went and coached under under Eddie with England it was just you've gone from one extreme of seeing people at <laughs> the time to then going you've literally got them for four sessions for play player six nations game. Yeah. That was a an interesting challenge. But I'm not sure if I ever really drove home. You've you've got to enjoy it. I didn't I may have been, I'm not sure on this one. The the group we kind of had with the sevens for a long period of of time, the the enjoyment was always a the mindset makes memories was always something that was very, very strong for them that that was kind of instilled in the values. So I'm not I'm not certain whether something I needed to have, have driven too much that was them that they, that was part of who they were, I think. Yeah,
1: so. I, I love I love that. Mindset makes the memories. Now, in, in those Sevens moments, I, I've spoken to Sevens coaches before and I liken it, I don't know if you watched The Simpsons and the episode where the yo-yo team came and gave a demonstration at the school, but then they're all shoved back into the minibus to go to the next school by, like, the the head of the circus almost and then the next day everyone's playing with a yo-yo because they've got it and that i sometimes feel that's what the seven circuit was right we're in the marco polo in hong kong but next week you're in the whatever in singapore and then you've got two weeks until you're in the next one as well as spending time with your own guys your own your own team you must have shared a hundred coffees with your enemies, your, you know, the people you just played in the cup final, who, who did you enjoy connecting with in those situations?
0: Oh, that, I mean, so I was there from, uh, 2013, I think to 2020, I think was when I, when I did it. And we actually had quite a consistent, quite a consistent group during that period. There wasn't a significant change. So, I mean, you always have, you know, you know, I was fortunate that, that Mike was, Geezer was obviously, you know, someone who was my coach and someone who made a massive impact, you know, on me as a player and as a person. And and realistically, I, he was probably the one that probably pushed Joe to, Joe Lydon to, to pick me and, and set me on this journey. And then actually, we coached together the England women's sevens team um, for the first time. So I always in- enjoyed him. It was always interesting, a little bit of rivalry on occasions and stuff like that. Because you know, let's be honest, he's he's pretty competitive, and he's not afraid from telling you things as well as we know sort of things. So he was always that. So I always enjoyed him. Um, Santi as well was always a good person. Neil Power is a tremendous person as well. I mean, there's there's a whole group around that. Titch was an interesting one. You know, he was he was actually when you got him on his own you got him like in a cab and stuff like that you'd actually had some really good chats with him his knowledge of the game was unbelievable of course um you know and and it's interesting because i still you use, i used i stole basically one of his fitness sessions by chance um when i was at Cambridge university one of his players under him called owen scrimmager gave yeah. me one of his fitness sessions uh so i used to do that like no one else knew that i'd like had this sort of this because all black sevens are the best sevens team for a long time because of their fitness demand so i was copying that whilst i was still doing three and sevens um now there's um there's been there's a lot of good people on that circuit there a lot of people um because also it's you know it's um the ups and downs. I mean, the emotions that go with it over a course for weekend, you know, and everyone looks at each other and kind of goes, Jesus Christ, so that poor person's had to, had the, t- had the tough call from the referee this time. It's their, it's their time to sit there and bite their lip and just go, okay, it's not my time, you know? So I also, I really enjoyed, um, uh, Callum McRae as well. Um, he was really good. And, um, cause I really like a really sharp coach, really sharp, sharp, clever coach. Um, and Gareth Williams as well. Obviously, we coached together uh, with, in Rio for the Olympics. Um, again, I really, really related so well with the players. Really understood key parts of the game. Clever, 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 intelligent coach. Um, yeah.
1: And when you got that chance, I mean, you've you've done so many things in just the sevens game to get to go to an Olympics. I mean, when you were leaving school couldn't have even been a thing and then you find yourself <laughs> yeah. in this in this situation were you pinching yourself was it just the next job was it uh the biggest challenge you've ever uh, had or was it just another thing
0: like, i mean i was I, I wasn't i wasn't pinching myself but i like, i i felt every we talk about having a passion and stuff every single day i lived um <laughs> About a, a fifteen-minute bike ride through a place called Bushy Park to where the Sevens program was based at the Lensbury in Teddington, and that was my world for seven years. I had like the like the best commute in the world to go and do the best job in the world in probably one of the best places in the world. This this wonderful sort of place. So I was, I guess, I wasn't pinching myself every day, but I knew how lucky I was, and I was. know and i had incredible support from the rfu and incredible support from the staff and incredible support from the players right the way through that through some tough some really tough times as well but generally i had that and and we actually we based the that that gb program (coughs) excuse me um at at that area as well and there was a, a really special group of players there it was 24 25 players and it was the the toughest thing I've ever done is have to do that team selection, speak to people face to face and go, I'm sorry you're not in this one, because of how much how close they were as a group and how connected they were, you know. Yeah. And I remember it so well. Um the selection sorry, story on The selections, we basically had it lined up. There was a room in the Lensbury, and they were we'd agreed that they were all going to um we go to alphabetical order, and they come in, and they'd have to go back to their rooms. For the lens, we, some were staying at their rooms there, and you couldn't speak to anyone until I'd, you'd done all of them because you didn't want to give anything away, basically. And I'd, the first three or four were all no's, just the way it worked out, basically. And I was, and I was like, um, each one I was going, and Babs was gonna, like giving me a bit of a pass in the back, and what song, you've got this one. You've, you've got. There's one more. Come on and stuff like that. Now the first, the first one that's a yes is a guy, is Mark Bennett. Um, My is, mate, Mark. Yeah. And literally, so I'm sitting there kind of going, well, I finally got a yes to this one. So <laughs> I, like Mark, I can't be exactly you know, Benzo, look, you've been fantastic and stuff like that. Congratulations, you're selected. And what does Benzo do? I'm expecting, you know, yes, get in there. Come on, let's go. <laughs> the emotions. He <laughs> just goes, aye, that's good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. And I'm sitting there going, you what? I've had people in tears for the past like half an hour. And that's, that's all I get. But you know Benzo. Benzo yeah, there's, there's not coach. a
1: lot of emotion there.
0: He, he it
1: he, he's carving it up for Edinburgh at the moment. He's playing very, yeah, he's a, very well.
0: He's a qu- quality, 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 quality player. Um, uh, and a quality person as well, So,
1: Yeah, I spoke to Clark Laidlaw the week oh, yeah. he was going to tell the all the New Zealand players that they weren't yeah. going to Japan and he was well Clark's miserable anyway, but he was, <laughs> he, was yeah. he was, he was struggling. He was yeah. struggling with that one. And and I, I certainly don't envy you because to tell someone no must've been tough to tell someone. Yes. Must've felt amazing other than Mark Bennett cause he's miserable. Yeah. But, uh, so you mm. get to Rio. Mm. I mean, to me, that's a kid in a candy store. Were you, was it just all about the job? Were you able to enjoy the village? Did you speak to other athletes and coaches and do all that learning you're supposed to do? Or was it just job done?
0: Oh, good. Um, I, well, I've been because of my role previously with like UK sport, I had a relatively decent connection with quite a lot of people in the UK sporting system anyway. So it's more like seeing old friends. Um, but what we were able to do was just to leverage quite a fair bit more of the personality. So I remember we had um Sir Chris Hoy did the did a great the shirt presentation and did it and the speech to the guys there. And we Andy Murray came and did something with the guys as well. And so that it was it was stuff like that that made it like really unique and, and special for very G and the, the thing that makes it brilliant is the olympics is one thing but it's gb coming together particularly in rugby terms where you very rarely get to be as gb it's so unique and special and that certainly gives you an advantage um yeah i mean there was there was there was i mean of course there's, there's always pressure you want to be successful but the the way that group um basically set their goal if you like it was all about the emotions and the feelings and the connections. So the the bit basically was was if there's a medal on the wall, okay, when you look at that medal, what do you feel? Okay. Now if you feel something that's freaking amazing and wants to take you back there, then that's a great thing. If it's not, then we've got this, we've got this wrong. So it was always about a bit more than just the medal. It was about the emotions that it fed and the journey you kind of went on, and that medal symbolizing, symbolizing that. So, it yeah.
1: was such an amazing start to that Olympics, and I think it hooked so many people. And yeah. the women's game was incredible yeah. and opened so many eyes. Now you're not a stranger to the women's game. Mm. You've had a really unique involvement in in women's sevens yeah. because you were running two programs did you stand back and watch that with pride were you telling people i told you so what, what what did you have what feelings i suppose did you have
0: around that well mike and i set up the first like england sevens Women sevens team um uh, and and that was i guess a real like it was a real pleasure to be involved in in starting something that you knew was just gonna get on this wave of of momentum. Cause they were just a a brilliant group of girls, brilliant, brilliant group of girls. Um, I wasn't involved in, so the two programs were separate then. It was after Rio that I then became head of both programs and integrated it together. Um, But what you definitely, what was amazing, it's difficult to, to articulate this too well, was in the village itself, was actually was, you had all the screens up everywhere and the rugby sevens just captured like all these different athletes uh and of course i wouldn't get to see it too much when the men's were playing because i was i was at the tournament's the men's but when you're back the women were playing you could see these athletes just crowded around the screens and these female athletes and you could see them they're just going and you go well she's obviously a sprinter and this one's probably some a wrestler or something like that. It was, it was all these different types of athletes were sitting there curious, kind of going, I can relate to that. I can relate. I can see that my sport in, in there. And it was you could just see as a result of that, you went, this is going to go. This is going to go through the roof because it's so many people connected to it. So, yeah,
1: it was my, my wife watched it. And my, my wife's from rugby background and uh, uncles, dad, cousins, everybody, husband plays rugby. But she was watching that and I'll never forget her saying this to me. That makes me want to go and play rugby. Yeah. But I know that if I went to play it, it would look like that.
0: This <laughs> <laughs> is where the social game is so important. Yeah, you know? of course like, it is. Those girls, the top end fitness levels of those girls. And those girls have been on a journey. A lot of the, the GB girls, they've been doing this now for, you know, six, seven years. To get them to those levels of fitness is taken it's, it's hard work, heart is sacrifice, and no one sees all that. They see all the smiles and the beautiful yeah. signs, and stuff, but they don't see the pain, the daily pain. So their commitment there has just been ex, exceptional. Exceptional.
1: Yeah, I I loved it. And it was it was great to see. The, the tournament live up to again in Japan I think mm. I, I don't know maybe maybe that's the scotsman in me but I was watching it thinking oh god I hope that, I hope this is as good to keep this momentum going especially oh, on the is, on the is. back of a bloody terrible lions tour you know the the <laughs> the, the, the Olympics was for me the highlight how of the summer
0: is. oh how good the quality of the play there I think if you'd have taken a snapshot then of someone and the, the the girls, their first one in Rio, it was always going to be, you know, it's, we're starting on the journey here of the gaming. If you'd have seen that and then look at it five years later, the 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 progress, and then you're thinking, well, where will it be in three years' time? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. It's it's phenomenal the growth, and it's so exciting where it where it where it could be. I'm hoping my my daughter is um uh, she's been working on on her kicking quite a fair bit. She suddenly <laughs> got the bug. She didn't want to initially, but she, she was getting out in the garden and going, "Dad, can we do kicking. Can we do kicking." So, yeah, hopefully,
1: uh, okay. We'll we'll keep an eye on that one for the future. Yeah, I I just loved it. and I think one of the positive things that's helping grow the game is the female athletes are seem still accessible. Yeah. yeah likes of social media you know there's a lot of a lot of holly aitchison's busy you know burf who's been an yeah. amazing ambassador for the game uh golden balls as as Rocky calls her emily scarrett you know there's <laughs> there's all those great role models and you know in australia charlotte caslick mm-hmm. the the black you know mm-hmm. portia woodman is just off the chart uh ruby Tui, who is you yeah. know, their interview with Jill Douglas was that's just amazing, awesome. And, and the other and
0: it, good thing about that is that is all of what you're talking about there, all these people are genuine. Yeah. That is all the people you've named that they're not that's not acts. That's who that's who they are. That's who they are, what they put out there on the social media, on the TV and stuff like that. So
1: And part of it is, is that much. they're having to live that other life that you've described. They because they they're not making enough to just do that job and then put their feet up and recover they're out doing courses or you know they're running camps or they've got their mm. snc coaches or teachers or any of those. and i just think it adds to the the engagement that they're now getting and i think it's amazing i can't wait to see what it's like in three mm. years time
0: yeah definitely
1: and the 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 women's game in Hong Kong. Have you? Are you going to have any input into that, mate? My Ian Monaghan's the Simmons Sports yeah. talking to somebody that had a little run around for Hong Kong Scottish at the weekend. I think he's probably still limping as we speak.
0: I was there last night, um, at Hong Kong Scottish with him coaching. So him and PJ Pjdrivovic. Sorry,
1: PJ. He is. He that he should still bloody be playing. When you see him, tell him. Oh, he was. good, please. He was.
0: They've got a couple of injuries, so um, he's he's playing ten. And it was great. And this is the way it worked. He, he, he was playing ten, and he had his his um, he had like his his coaching notes like down the front of his his shorts whilst he was still playing ten. So he'd like do a crossfield kick in the games, and he check his notes. Where am I in seconds now? Effectively, I came Brilliant. And it was it was there a, a long time. Um, I've been helping Royce out a little bit. So Royce yeah. is the women's head coach and also the Kowloon, uh head coach. Um, the women's game here is like is like this. Yeah. It's you know, and the challenge I think for Hong Kong will be is again it'll be this capacity thing. It's like, well, how do we keep we're getting all these people come, there's loads of people on the pitches. Um uh, how do we keep on making it um a great environment for them? So
1: I love it, I love your enthusiasm. I just I think it's gonna be such a good move for Hong Kong. Now what I can't I can't have you on talking about sevens without talking about invitational teams and tournaments because it is it's unique to, to rugby. Mm. I, I'm not aware of really, you know, football doesn't seem to have an, an invitational element to it until you become retired and you want a jolly to Hong Kong football club for a week or something. <laughs> yeah. The the invitational element, how big a part does that play in the development of teams, of coaches, of the game, of growing yeah. the game? Can you still see that having a role?
0: I think in terms of the global growth of the game, I think it's... In in many many ways, I mean, there's there's the commercial side of things, uh, the exposure, um, but particularly in sevens, I think there'll be few sports around the world where globally you could get someone going from a social team, an amateur team, if you like, and then in the space of two or three years, uh, playing on a world series to the national team. So I think it's a really it's a really integral piece of this in terms of those two areas, growing the game, and in terms of the top end, I think. And that's the excitement, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, where, where do you see someone that could play in a social tournament one year and the next year they could play in the World Series? I mean, it's – but that's what you have. That's what it does. That's what it creates. Um, so, no, I think it's, um, it's, um, it's, uh, it's fundamental.
1: And and in your history with Hong Kong, which, mm. you know, is is a romance, really, it, it loves you and you love it, were you able to enjoy rugby week? When you were there as a player in a court, did you get down to the tens or you, is that something you're looking forward to if and when the chance comes?
0: Uh, so as a coach, I managed to get down a little bit with the, um, uh, uh, because we used to have a couple of players who sort of play, uh, play in it. And um, uh, yeah, so and I, I definitely remember with Samurai once, I mean, Terry's never, never forgiven me. where well, I actually pulled one of the, like his best player, like for, before the final because we picked up for england we picked up a knock and i was like oh no we can't oh, i'm glad to go and have a conversation with terry <laughs> uh, and uh, the look on his face was it's right wi- so but i just it was i'm, I'm sorry I'm so okay, but we're playing in hong kong sevens and i need to have a need to have a team and stuff like that um so no a, a little bit but 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 not but not an awful lot um uh yeah
1: yeah, it's definitely something to look forward to. I promise you, it's uh, something I miss hugely. Is that that run up to the main event? So mm-hmm. as you as you look to the future, and you've got your crystal ball out, phone call comes in <laughs> from the new franchise based in San Francisco, Simon. you know the road shows coming. We've got twelve cities in America over yeah. a four month period. It's a six months contract. Uh, come and come, come and build us a squad and and take us on tour. Uh,
0: no, I the, the the number one thing for me right now, and this is something I've I've been poor at for. a ever since day one is my family's <laughs> my family's probably pretty much come second a lot a lot of the time for me so i've got to find a thing of actually making my family come my family f- come first so whatever decisions i make i've got to make sure i get that one uh, get that one right and i've definitely learned in this in this world and particularly maybe covid more than giving this uh, clearer than anything is trying to plan anything right now is just pretty much impossible you go with what your heart is telling you you know you go with where your passion your emotions are at the time uh, and then you go with the flow and the passions and emotions are pretty strong here in Hong Kong right now so
1: I absolutely love this I'm looking at the clock thinking no no we're nearly finished but (laughs) when you look back and all this good stuff you've had you know we've spoken a a little bit about some of the not necessarily failure, but tougher times. But m- mostly, the two of us have sat here with smiles on our face, talking about the good yeah. times that this game can bring. As you look back, what what people really stand out as? You know, the the, the foundations of Simon Amor, the man he
0: is now. Oh wow, flipping heck. That's a big question. I'm
1: I'm, I'm intrigued here because Geezer's obviously played a role.
0: Yeah your, yeah, yeah, your
1: your family have, have I, to be playing a role yeah, to support
0: so I, how uh, you've yeah, gone. I was, I was lucky, in the, you know. My dad, did like like most, like I guess, like a lot of kids and stuff. You know, the parents drove me around all over the country and gave me huge support to give me the opportunities to play all these different sports and the stuff that goes with it. I was lucky to have a teacher at school. I went to Hampson School, um, and a short story on this one. Um, we weren't the best team at all. We were dreadful, in fact. Um, but he would not let us kick the ball. In 15s, we wouldn't let us kick the ball. And the result of that was come the seven season, we were bloody good. It meant I was a dreadful kicker. But <laughs> what changed the result was we were some of the best decision-makers because, naturally, we'd done... And every team knew this at the time and he was constantly a, a overachieving i think by producing england people so i was really influenced by him steve timms um as a school teacher so it just shows the importance of school teachers the influence they can have on people's lives there's no way i'd have played sevens for england if i hadn't have been taught by that by that teacher nowhere nowhere in the world um so i was very fortunate coaching wise to have been coached by nigel melville uh, dean ryan i'd like to say dick best sean edwards Ian mcgeekin I was really lucky on that side as well. So there's quite a few people who influenced Joe Lydon, another one. I'm really lucky, really
1: lucky. I love it. So uh, I I get to speak to a player next week that Simon Amor was his head coach. What what does the player say about Simon Amor? (laughs)
0: That depends upon the player.
1: Oh, come on. There must be (laughs) some consistent messages
0: here. there, There is, I mean, look, there's, there is something you grow as a coach right the way through on your coaching journey uh, and certainly you know I was very much as a younger coach uh, I was very much much more like I was as a player I was very I was strong with my opinions forthright with my views quite dictatorial and stuff and and I grew on that journey about the importance of connecting with people in in, in their kind of way looking it through their eyes understand before being understood and uh The biggest thing as I try, I keep on trying to work on is understanding the individual. And so you've, you know, England Sevens is a a great example. You get some very educated people that have been to the top universities and how you connect with them over some people that are leaving school yesterday, had a bit of a tough upbringing and you try to, as a coach, connect with those in totally different kinds of ways. And they call it the authenticity paradox, don't they? Everyone wants you to be authentic. You have to be authentic to yourself, but you've got to be able to flex it around to connect with everyone in a team sport. It's what makes a team sport so brilliant and so challenging. I'm sure that's not a cop out, but um, no, I love it. I absolutely love that. Reason why... Passion, and energy, passion, energy, and commitment. I'd like to think if people would say, "Yeah," uh, you know, I'd have made a hell of a lot of mistakes, but I think they would have known I was committed and passionate.
1: Uh, I I can see that I'm just I'm writing some of this stuff down. That's why I'm looking down here. I've written yeah. "understand before being understood." That is gold, my friend. I love I
0: love that. It's, I'm only stealing that off of Stephen Covey or something, or the it's yeah. the prayer of Francis de Sisi or something. So it's no. uh, it's only other stuff that you've read and you you're picking up and going and. Uh... Yeah,
1: I, I love it. Right, I've got I've got a real serious question here. Okay. Who, who, and when, and how often have you been told to get a real job?
0: <laughs> oh God, yeah. I say when I was traveling <laughs> the world, I mean, that was. <laughs> Uh, that was that was almost on a daily basis by friends sort of thing. You know, it's, it's probably why I, I I stay away from social media so much. Because people can people can't tell me about that. Um, no, but it's it's the the point. It goes back into the passion and stuff like that. And it's like you know, if, it's how you define a job. You know, it's, never sort of nine to five. You wake up in the morning at five in the morning or something like that, and you go, right, I'm excited about doing something that makes me feel I've got a purpose and make a difference. That's not a job. That's a way of life, isn't it? So, yeah.
1: I love it. I absolutely love it. Right, I'm going to drop this one on you because I know you've not listened to any of these before, and don't (laughs) don't pretend you have, but at the end...
0: You're right, I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) At the end, I ask the guest to finish the sentence. So... For you, Simon, anymore, happiness is
0: oh flipping egg. Ah uh, What a great question. <laughs> for me. Um uh happiness happiness is definitely knowing uh, knowing you're making an impact and knowing you've got a purpose. I mean, I, I'm really lucky. It's a really interesting one. Having, having won a, f- a few things like as a player and a coach and gone through that process of the winning being important. And I think that's, that's, that's honest. That's, you know, I, yep. I wanted to win. I wanted to win. I wanted, and, you know, a medal at um, Commonwealth and World Cups and Olympics and the Six Nations. It's like, and it is, it's good. For, it's good for you. But when you drill away from that, it's the difference you make in people and other people and the conversation you have and you see people like how they can go on. In this world in particular, this is a tough world right now with everyone judging each other on social media and particularly with COVID and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. The seeing you make difference on other people's lives and the ripple effect that can have, it is it makes you so content, it genuinely does. My oh, God, that's a long that's a long sentence, uh,
1: Simon. <laughs> do you know? I absolutely love it. And just as you as you mentioned the Six Nations, I'm covering my face here in shame. We've not even got to that, and we're oh, we're o- we're over an hour. So I reckon this just cements that you're going to have to come back for part two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll work out the answer to that sentence.
1: <laughs> Simon, <laughs> listen, I. I was delighted when Robbie McRobbie hooked the two of us up in kind of his way of being Tinder, I suppose. Um, and he's, he's brought us together. And, you know, we, we share a lot. We've, we have met, not that you'll remember it, but we have met before. And I've I've loved watching what you do. I was so pleased when I saw you were going to Hong Kong because I love the place dearly. And I know that you're going to make it a better place than than you found it. So all the very best. And thank you so much for giving up your time.
0: Pleasure. Enjoyed it. Loved it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. See
1: you soon, hopefully in Hong Kong.
0: Cheers.
1: Well, I absolutely loved it. What a man. What an absolute ball of positive energy. And I've got no doubt we're going to be hearing great things about him from the time he's in Hong Kong and wherever else he ends up next, because I'm not buying any of that rubbish about the family coming first. The family are going to be first when Simon is doing the good stuff and impacting on people understand before being understood I'm taking that one, that's my takeaway, if you've enjoyed it you can catch us on Apple, APA ACAST and Spotify I'm blown away here, I've absolutely loved it, I hope you've enjoyed listening my name is Bruce Acheson and my happiness is egg shaped and I look forward to seeing you all again very very soon, thank you
0: Hello, I'm Mayhem Hello, I'm Chaos and And our happiness is egg shaped Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Not not it, not it. It. <laughs> last night and he said
1: happiness is egg hey, um,
0: happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end.